0: Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Monday, May 25th, 2020. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Uh, I've got my USA pen here. Shane,
1: Mr. Caldwell, how's your holiday weekend going so far? It's good, yeah. It feels like summer out there, so anytime it uh, feels like summer, that's good. Uh, Watched the NASCAR race yesterday. Had a lot of good tributes to the uh, military. You know, fallen heroes. Uh, so they had a really good tributes there um, it really reminded me how blessed we are to have, uh, you know, uh, people that sacrifice their lives and, uh, you know, their livelihood for our freedom. So that's really what Memorial Day is all about is remembering our fallen heroes and appreciating, you know, how good we have it here. Um, so it, I think it was a really good tribute that they did at NASCAR uh, for that yesterday. So I definitely watched some of that and yeah, enjoying the joy, the nice weather out here. Excellent.
0: Yeah, well said. And I really enjoyed the golf yesterday. That was a real treat. Uh, fortunate to have some live action uh, entertainment there with four legends. Uh, we got Tom Brady holding out from the fairway, uh, battling right down to the 18th hole. Woods and Manning uh, with the uh, the one up victory. Um, so nice crossover there between PGA and the NFL. And we, of course, are continuing our 32 day virtual tour of the NFL from a DFS perspective and we get the Cleveland Browns today Shane and thankfully they've cleaned house because man was that a mess last year with Freddie Kitchens he had that whole incident where after the brouhaha with Pittsburgh he had the the t-shirt that said Pittsburgh started it one of the strangest moves I've ever seen anybody make in professional sports I mean talk about gift-wrapping gift wrapping bulletin board material for an opponent, an an opponent that already hates you. Uh, That's what he did. And then you Pittsburgh, of course, went ahead ahead and won and, you know, Cleveland finished six and 10 and missed the playoffs. But uh, like I said, they've cleaned house and that's, that's exciting for everybody who, who cares about
1: the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And the Cleveland Browns have been known for a long time now as a poorly run organization I remember a few years ago watching uh, Hard Knocks when they were on there, watching John Dorsey run around and just the way he, you know, the way he interacted with people, his leadership style. And he's kind of just old school. And I was like, this guy's the GM. Like, I'm like, I don't have any confidence in this guy. And of course, he was the one that decided to trade their, you know, entire draft class away to get Odell Beckham. That hasn't worked out so far. He, he was the one that endorsed Freddie Kitchens. It was kind of like the good old boys network in there. Like, hey, let's just hire this guy. He seems pretty cool, you know. <laughs> so it just didn't work out at, at all. They were the ultimate paper champion overhyped team last year going into last year. People were way too high on them, just as if one trade to get Odell Beckham was going to put them over the Super Bowl hump. There was a lot of Super Bowl hype going on with this team, and turns out they couldn't even compete in the for the playoffs of the division. Uh, so I think that uh now they've really actually done a good job. They uh they fired John Dorsey, they hired this GM Andrew Barry, who's a young guy, is the youngest GM in the history of NFL. He's only 32 years old. He's a real up-and-comer. I think he's a really smart. Uh, more using more analytics and, and, and a lot more of the newer technology, not that old school stuff like John Dorsey did. So I really like his draft and his free agent acquisitions we'll talk about. And, uh, and then also the, the, the hiring of head coach Kevin Stefanski from uh, Minnesota, I think was a great hire. So with those combinations of a great offseason for draft and acquisitions and a new GM that I think is, is really has a lot of good things going for him and a great, new head coach that I think is going to be a good head coach in the league. I think this team actually is actually looking up this year uh, where last year they thought they were, but they were actually just fake last year. But I think they're actually for real this year.
0: I agree. Uh, The hype last year just didn't pan out. I think their chances are much better this year of meeting expectations. So before we break down that new coaching staff and each position – just want to introduce everybody to DFS Coach Talk. If you're new to the program, we cover the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. We focus on the eye tests. We don't use optimizers as we build our lineups. In the meantime, we're covering the KBO, the Korea Baseball Organization. So if you're just uh, chilling this afternoon, uh, you know, hanging out without much to do at the barbecue, check out our website DFSCoachTalk.com. Pick up one of our memberships, weekly, monthly, or yearly. And starting tonight, six days a week, every every night that there's KBO, we're providing free KBO lineups to our members for FanDuel. We give everybody a, a player pool on DraftKings. We've had a real solid start uh, to the season. So uh, pick up one of our memberships, and those are going to be frozen until we get a pro sport back up and running in the U.S. So, uh, Shane, let's jump into the changes at the top. You mentioned Stefanski coming over from Minnesota. They also have new coordinators. But Stefanski, certainly uh, with that offensive background, very successful last year. Minnesota was eighth in points and sixth in rushing yards. That was really the theme in Minnesota. They were heavy on the run. Uh, How do you think his uh, background and experience will translate for the Cleveland Browns this year?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good for the Cleveland Browns because they finally uh, figured out a way to improve their offensive line. That's where it all starts. So not only protecting Baker Mayfield because he's proven he wasn't good <laughs> under under uh, pressure, but uh, to really be able to open up some holes and have a great great scheme uh, for these talented running backs that we're going to talk about. I think this is a perfect hire. Um, this team is definitely that you know AFC North kind of uh, that. Uh, hard nose type football is what they want to play. Uh, you know, play tough defense and run the ball. Uh, they weren't really good at, uh, in terms of controlling the clock last year, they saw teams dominate them, really, in the run game and control the time of possession and control the game. So they want to flip the script on them like Minnesota did last year. So if you think about the type of production that Minnesota, the, how dominant they were in the run game with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and those guys, and then being able to set up the pass from that and protect their quarterback. That is really huge. So really high on Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and the fact that uh, we'll talk about their offensive line at some point. I, I love their offensive line now, where before you look at their offensive line, you're like, oh man, this is really bad. So that was one of the things that people ignored last year is their offensive line when we're talking about you know, how hyped up the team was. People are like, well, their offensive line is questionable, but they're like, but they got Odell Beckham though. It's okay. You know, it's not it's not that easy, right? It starts up front. Okay. So you got to protect it. So this team was already pretty good at rushing the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt last year. And they didn't even have Kareem Hunt the, the whole year. So having Kareem Hunt the whole year, if both these guys stay healthy the entire year is a one-two punch, they're both going to be huge fantasy stars, especially in this offense with an improved offensive line. The other thing I want to point out in general, we've talked a lot about teams that want to run the ball this year. I think there's a trend in the NFL uh, where teams are going to want to run the ball more, especially this year, there's less time for the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to get their timing down and to train together and get that chemistry. Uh, And even if you're changing the offense to set up that running game is not as hard as the passing game, which is more predicated on timing and chemistry uh, and routes and those type of things. So Everything is pointing to a lot of running in the NFL, and this team is no exception. This team is super talented in the running game. I expect big things from this team in a, in a great, great combination of coaching staff, O line, and talent in the, with the running back. So I know that's a lot, but that's an important point that I think I want to make about the running game in the NFL in general and specifically this team.
0: Yeah, that's a great uh, uh, trend to point out, and I'd like to have you break down the actual, the specific changes with the offensive line here in a minute. I just want to highlight the numbers. As you mentioned, for a team that finished that poorly, their their running game is already set up uh, with all that talent. You know, they finished with a four point eight yards per carry last year, which was fourth in the NFL. You know, it was the passing game that was a real struggle. And the the magic number in the passing game was 22 because this team was 22nd in passing yardage. And that resulted in them being 22nd in points scored and 22nd in yardage for the NFL. But uh, I agree the the focus will be on that running game with Stefanski and then Alex Van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator. Uh, He had one year as an offensive coordinator with Buffalo back in 2009, and that was a poor season. They were 30th in yards, 28th in points. But he's been spending his time in Green Bay recently coaching the running backs and the quarterbacks. Uh, So, you know, he'll have that focus as well. But uh, if you could just mention these uh, changes to the
1: offensive line that you think will improve this running game even more. So obviously the most important position uh, offensive line is typically offensive tackle because you're trying to you're setting the edge, you know, trying to create uh, space there for the running game. Uh, And those guys have to be, you know, athletic and be able to move in space. And they really help with the pass protection and they're and they're going against the elite defensive uh, defensive ends and outside linebackers, right? So that was a huge weakness for uh, for the Browns last year. And that almost single-handedly, you know, demolished their offense. When you got constant pressure on Baker Mayfield, a guy that's a little undersized, not good under pressure, you know, took a lot of unnecessary risk, a lot of turnovers. Uh, so they, they brought in uh, Jack Conklin, uh, top free agent signing offensive tackle, uh and he is a top tier offensive lineman offensive tackle great and i believe that he probably would look likely he's going to start at right tackle he's going to really help that right side of the game so he's going to help with the pass protection and really help with this running game so that's going to be huge uh so jack conklin really high on him and then with the first round you know we'll get into the details they took uh, jedrick wills out of alabama uh, i think it was a great pick at number 10 most people had him as the number one offensive lineman in this draft and this draft was loaded with offensive line talent. Uh, so this guy's super athletic you know he's got good size he's just super quick off the ball, being able to get you to get that quick punch in the in the running game and really quick sets and, and good good drop steps uh, for the pass protection. So this guy is a great athlete. he can move in space. the type of things that they're gonna do with those offensive tackles, and then having still a good center and guards inside there, that's really going to uh, help Baker Mayfield and really going to allow this uh, Alex Van Pelt and Stefanski to do what they want to do, which is going to be run the ball, the power, power running game. Um, and they also did add a full bet, fullback. They traded for uh, fullback, uh, Andy Johnovich, And the fact that they gave up, I think they gave up, it was like a seventh round, but if you traded it for someone, that tells you that they want to run the ball with a power, power game. Uh, be able to do that if they got added a fullback there uh so as you can tell really high on the offensive line really like the additions that they made I and mean, then last year they had like Greg Robinson out there who was one of the biggest draft bust of all time uh you had him starting at left tackle so now you're going to have Jedrick Wills uh protecting the blind side of uh Baker Mayfield uh you know Jedrick Wills started at right tackle last year because he was protecting Tua Tungalua's Blind side. that's why he was a right tackle i think but he can play anywhere so uh, so i know that's a long-winded explanation but i think that's a really important part of this team again is the offensive line there now let's talk about the defensive side and the rushing game
0: there cuz that was the real weakness for cleveland teams gashed them on the ground they were 30th in yards allowed at over 2300 they gave up 5 yards a carry which was 30th in the league and the man charged with leading that Uh, resurrection is joe woods he was the defensive coordinator in denver in 17 and 18 had one strong year one down year and then last year he spent in san francisco coaching the defensive backs so he comes into cleveland uh trying to improve this uh, terrible run defense uh the pass defense was above average uh they ranked seventh in yards allowed what do you see as the outlook for the defense for the defense this this year for the Browns?
1: You know, it's hard to see the, the rush defense getting much better. I was really concerned that you know they'd already lost Christian Kirksey last year to injury. That's what you know hurt them. Uh, but they had Joe Schobert stepped in and had like 133 tackles. I thought he was pretty solid. Um but they they did lose him in free agency as well to the Jaguars. He signed a big deal there. So I think they're weak at linebacker. They're inexperienced and weak at linebacker. So that tells me uh, teams are going to really attack them. Uh, I like their defensive front really with, you know, Sheldon Richardson and uh, you know, their, their ends uh, are still uh, pretty solid as well with uh, Miles Garrett, Olivia Vernon. Uh, So they're decent there. Uh, I just think that that second level, once you once you get through that line, uh, they're they're not really that great there. Um, now they did draft a, a safety, uh, Grant Delpit, who's a big safety who played at LSU, and we'll talk about him. He might be able to step up in the box and help with the running game against the running game as well. And then for pass uh, for pass defense, uh, they were seventh. I guess uh, we were talking about earlier how that could be just because teams just ran on them and there wasn't they weren't facing a lot of volume. But I do think that uh, you know uh their starting corners are uh really good actually uh, so definitely like uh, denzel ward i think is a really good corner greedy williams if you can take that step in the second year and improve. They have Kevin Johnson and then they really have some good safeties back there as well now. So I like their secondary. So I do and they have a decent pass rush as well. If they can uh, everyone can stay healthy and stay on the field, because obviously Miles Garrett was suspended last year as well. Uh so I'm pretty pretty high on them against the pass. It's not a team that you want to initially attack, maybe as like a wide receiver to do or a tight end against them, but you know, uh Denzel Ward is actually legit, you know. He's a borderline shutdown corner there. So uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But, yeah, definitely they're, they're not going to be that great against the rush. But, of course, the teams aren't going to have as many opportunities either because if they actually run the ball more and score more and run the clock up more, they're going to control the time of possession as opposed to them getting dominated in a time of possession the way it was last year. Um, so that's going to change the game script there as well, how easy it is to just to run the score up on them.
0: Yeah, and as we alluded to yesterday, this is a real tough division to defend against the run. You've got Baltimore with that elite rushing attack. You've got uh, Connor in Pittsburgh. And then you've got Joe Mixon and company in Cincinnati. So uh, that'll be a big challenge for Cleveland all season long. So let's start to break down the offense here one position at a time. Baker Mayfield at the helm entering year three. Um, you know, I don't think either one of us is really wowed by his performance so far Um under 60% completion rate last year and uh, didn't take care of the ball. So what's your breakdown of Mr. Mayfield as he enters year three?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield, but to his credit last year, he had uh, injured wide receivers. You know, Odell Beckham really wasn't healthy. You know, uh, Jarvis Landry was decent. The tight ends were inconsistent, so he didn't really have that many weapons in the passing game. Then he had a really bad offensive line and a really bad offense in terms of activity and the play calling. So he had a lot of bad combinations going there. He wasn't set up for success. Uh, And, yeah, he took a lot of unnecessary risk, 21 interceptions to 22 touchdowns. So basically having about the same amount of touchdowns and interceptions, not a good completion percentage, uh, really not a a great uh, year for him. Uh, yeah, so I think that this year he will be slightly better, um, but uh, I don't think he's going to have to have that much volume, so I don't think he's a guy that you're going to be able to get a high ceiling out of, but I think he should be more efficient and smarter. I think one of the things that Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt will help him with is making smarter reads and, as he goes through his progressions and being smarter with the football and not taking unnecessary risk uh, and, and just having a more creative offense. And then that run run attack is going to set up that play action pass. And, you know, uh, Mayfield's pretty good at kind of, you know, play action pass and, you know, uh, throwing on the run and those type of things that you want to do. And then, of course, just better pass protection. Again, that goes back to the offensive line. That's going to help Mayfield. So I expect him to improve. Um, but he's the type of guy that will get like, you know, 25 touchdowns this year. Uh, and if he can throw for, uh, you know, close to what he had last year, thirty eight hundred to four thousand yards. And then just get it up to like 25 touchdowns and then just get his interceptions down a little bit you know up into the like the lower teens then that would that would be a big improvement right there he's not going to have to do as much i think they're going to take the ball out of his hands a a little bit more to to protect him and just like i said it's going to be it's going to be more of a running team uh but yeah things are going to be a lot better for him this year with a better offensive line he's got a lot more help around him and if those wide receivers can stay healthy that would really help Baker Mayfield. So I think he's decent, but in terms of DFS, he's kind of a hard guy to target. Uh, that I, I, it's been really hard. It's going to be certain matchups that you think they might get into a shootout, but it's, it's not going to be the type of game environment that you're going to want to target a quarterback for a high ceiling in DFS, and his price is probably not going to be cheap enough to justify that. So are, are you kind of on the same page there, or what do you think? I am. The, the real problem with him is the ceiling. So for
0: GPPs, it's just uh, it's just not wise to invest in him. Last year, he had four games over 20 fantasy points on DraftKings, but he never got to 30. Now, the interesting thing is, based on his price, he was a decent value for cash games. Eight out of 16 weeks, he got you 3x or more, but just barely. So he didn't have the ceiling that we want in GPPs. Uh, you know, I agree. I don't expect that to change much. Because I do think they're really going to try to have a balanced offensive attack here. Um, but hopefully, like you said, he'll be more efficient. He's got to get over 60% completion rate. He's got to take care of the ball better. You know, the, this team lost the turnover battle 28-20 to 20 last year. So uh, that's a real emphasis of improvement. Now, the backup this year is Case Keenum. And this makes sense to me. He's got some chemistry with Stefanski. Back in 2017, they were together in Minnesota. Uh, Stefanski was the quarterback's coach that year. And when I think of Case Keenum, I I know he's a journeyman. His record hasn't been great overall. But for some reason, I I must just think about that 2017 year because he was very productive that year. He was 64 percent. Sorry, 67 percent completions that year. Led the team to an 11 and 3 record when he started, and he was 22 to 7 touchdown interception. So he took care of the ball. Uh, he was he was efficient, made good decisions. Really, he was performing the way that we were just talking about. Uh, you know, hoping that Baker Mayfield can perform in, in that fashion. So I think he's a he's a terrific backup, and he's a guy that I wouldn't hesitate to use uh, in a spot start. Uh, cause I, I expect his price would be low.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, this is a rare situation where I like the backup almost better than the starter. That's really rare. Uh, but what a great signing by them. You know, this guy's been, I don't know how many teams this guy's been on, like six or something like that, but Case Keenum is a baller. I mean, he's a smart, savvy veteran quarterback and, uh, yeah, he can have some big ceiling games, really consistent. Like you said, I noticed that as well. When I'm looking up his history that he really played his best when he was in Minnesota, He's had a couple of good seasons here and there as well, but he played great in Minnesota, so he's perfect for this offensive system. He already knows the system, so he probably knows the system a lot better than Baker Mayfield does, uh, so he's at a huge advantage there. He's really going to help out Baker Mayfield in terms of being able to teach him some things about the offense, being that they have a shortened offseason, but it's you've never really seen too many situations where if Baker Mayfield gets injured early in the year, Stefanski will be like, okay, Let's go, you know, like he'd be like, I'm fine with Keenum. Like, there's not that big of a drop off there. And I know Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. It's hard to say, you know, it's hard to fathom that. But I think that they're very similar. Case Keenum's a little bit smarter, maybe not quite as much of an arm talent as uh, Baker Mayfield is. Uh, but uh, he, he's got a lot of talent, so I, I think that they can't be in a better situation for a backup quarterback. Because if if someone goes down, they, again they're going to run the ball, set up play play action passes. They got a better offensive line, they got a lot of weapons. So if if Baker Mayfield goes down, they can still win with Case Keenum, which is you can't say that about all backup quarterbacks. So yeah, fantasy wise, he'd be a great target where people you know see see Cleveland and they would see Case Keenum and they go, oh no, I'm not playing that. But they're not thinking about all that the, the the, the familiarity with the offense. So he's a perfect target in DFS if he ever plays, which for Cleveland fans, they probably hope that he never does. But, uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> let will see. Absolutely.
0: So we'll, we'll make a note on that for sure. Now yeah.
1: let, let's tr- transition to the running game.
0: We've been talking about it a lot. They've got tons of talent there with, with Chubb and Hunt. And uh, Chubb was, was healthy. Uh, he played all 16 games, had almost 1,500 yards. Five yards of carry. Um, talk to me about uh, Nick Chubb and the 2020 season.
1: As you could probably tell, as I've talked a lot about the offensive line and the running game. I'm really high uh, uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt will get to. Here's the thing I kind of like about Nick, Nick Chubb is that most fantasy players, whether it's DFS or season log, are going to look at this year and they're going to say, Kareem Hunt didn't play last year the entire year because he was suspended half the year. And they're going to say, Kareem Hunt is going to eat eat into Nick Chubb's production, right? Which makes total sense, right? That's the first thing you look at. You say, I'm going to fade Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt's going to eat into it. And I think that's completely wrong. I want to take advantage of that. I think that uh, there's going to be so much running volume and so much production in the running game for this team that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to be fantasy superstars. I think they're going to be real-life football stars and fantasy stars. I think it's just all going to be good for them. Again, you have a better offensive scheme, that they're going to implement and lean on a lot. You have a much better offensive line, okay? And then you have two healthy stud running backs. So Nick Chubb, this was last year with a really bad offense and a bad offensive line. He had almost 300 carries, 1,494 rushing yards at five yards per rush, which is huge. Again, behind a subpar offensive line, eight touchdowns. And then he had uh, 36 receptions, 278 yards. He didn't get any receiving touchdowns there. Uh, so those are great stats. So Nick Chubb is the type of guy that I could see pushing for closer to 1,800 rushing yards this year. And I don't really care about the Kareem Hunt. I get it. I love Kareem Hunt. I, I get it. That's going to take into some of his production. But I think they're going to be so efficient and run the ball so much, so much volume that he's still going to have bell cow production. Uh, and really good, obviously, yards per attempt and really good red zone production, too. And he can still catch the ball a little bit. So, really high on Nick Chubb. If you look at last year, again, in this bad situation, he had 42 fantasy points with his ceiling game. That's on DraftKings, you know, PPR format 33, 28, 27. He had the big ceiling games. So, he was definitely a target in DFS. Then, the second half of the season, again, this is the Kareem Hunt argument. He did have four duds in the second half of the season when Kareem Hunt came back. But again, How was the offense overall wasn't really that good. Um, So I want to take advantage of statistically, he did, he did have some bad games with Kareem Hunt in there. And I think people are going to lean on that. And I'm hoping that I'm right about this and that Nick Chubb, even with Kareem Hunt, is going to be uh, a top level, uh, I think, like, you know, top five running back in fantasy. I know that's kind of bold, but that's that's kind of what I'm looking at, and it's a contra- it's a little contrarian, but that's good. I'd be able to take advantage of it. Uh, I know that's it's kind of a bold statement. What do you think? Yeah, that is bold. I, I don't think I'll go quite that far.
0: I, I do think he'll take a bit of a hit. If you look at the numbers when Hunt was there, Chubb did have 400-yard games in the second half of the season. So uh, he was still strong and productive. His two ceiling games were – earlier in the season, though, without Hunt. And the thing that really hurt Chubb is that Hunt was so good catching balls out of the backfield. I mean, Hunt caught 37 balls in only eight games, and that's where Chubb took a hit. His receptions went down. So maybe I'd be a little bit more likely to play him more on FanDuel, where I'm not worrying so much about the uh, receiving volume. But uh, what a one-two punch
1: overall. But you, you remember in our NFL preview, our very first NFL podcast, remember the example I brought up? We were talking about DraftKings versus FanDuel, right? This is, this must have been at least a month ago. Uh, I said, perfect example, Nick Chubb, FanDuel all day, right? Kareem Hunt, perfect for DraftKings. So, like, I brought that up, you know, a long time ago, but it's a great example of that. So, um, yeah, so what do you think about Kareem Hunt? I know you, you play a lot of DraftKings, PPR format. You got to be loving this guy.
0: Yeah, it, it just comes down to the price, and yep. you know he started out around 3K actually on DraftKings, and so he smashed value early, uh, but then he quickly they priced him up to 6.6. 6. Um, so he was very consistent with his receptions uh, in the eight games. His totals were two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. So guy was getting targets every week. Um, You know, he was on pace for almost 75 catches if he played a full season. So it's just going to come down to price. I'll certainly play him, you know, 4.5K or less in a heartbeat. Um, He got three scores in half a season, um, 4.2 yards per carry. So, yeah, Yeah, it's going to come down to price. But I agree. Uh, I'm looking at Chubb on FanDuel and Hunt on
1: DraftKings. Yeah, here's the thing with Kareem Hunt. Again – I'm projecting, projecting really high volume in this rushing offense. So even with both of them playing, even if they're split in time or whatever the split is, Kareem Hunt, I think, is going to get more volume. He's still going to get probably a little bit more rush attempts than he did last year um, and with probably even more receptions. And I think he'll be even more efficient with the receptions and the run attempts. And I think he, he has positive regression in for touchdowns, because again, I think the offense in general is going to be better. They're going to be more red zone opportunities, more touchdown opportunities. They're going to score more basically. Uh, Cause what were they 22nd scoring overall, just over 20 points a game. So they're going to be better in that category, which is going to help Kareem hunt here. And I think he's way too talented to only have, you know, he had half a season. He had two rushing touchdowns, one, one uh, receiving touchdown. So I think he's going to have a lot more touchdowns and he's going to get volume in the passing game and he's going to be efficient in the run game. Uh, so really high on the guy. Yeah. You definitely have to look at his price because you know, he's not guaranteed a ton of volume because he's not, he's not going to get the majority of the snaps. But again, I think there's just so much volume to go around. At least it's not a three headed monster where they have some other guy that rotates in there. You know who what you're going to get. Um, you can look at the game scripts too. You know, if it's a team, uh, that they're going to be down a lot. Maybe they're going against Baltimore and Baltimore's real good against the power run game and they're going to pass the ball to running backs more. They feel like they can exploit those matchups because Baltimore gets big leads on people. Right. Then maybe it's a cream hunt game. Um, and you can feel a little more confident in that where, where they're going against, you know, Washington Redskins or uh, what was the other team that they had that was uh, real easy. Cincinnati. Week yeah, Cincinnati. That's probably going to be more of a Nick Chubb game. Right. So we're probably going to be looking at those things as well. But, yeah, as, as you can tell, really high on both of these guys and excited to watch this this running attack and the, the receivers catching balls out of this backfield. This offense is set up perfectly for it. Well,
0: let's transition to the rest of the pass catchers. wide receivers and the tight ends and based on this heavy run volume let's figure out you know with what's left over who we're going to want to target it's year two of the obj experiment year one really didn't go well he ended up with solid numbers over a thousand yards but he he really never hit value on DraftKings. he only had one week out of 16 where he paid off at least
1: 3x so uh, what are your thoughts on OBJ? So uh, just as you're saying that, obviously, you know, that I'm not very high on this passing game, so I'm not really high on the receivers. Um, my issue with OBJ is, you know, he's coming off the season with injuries. So I guess you can certainly make the argument he was injured most of last year. So he really couldn't play he Had core issues, a lot of different issues. So he really wasn't at his elite level. That he normally is. So you could make that argument that if he comes back healthy, you he can have a good year. But that's not really what this offense is going to do. So I look at OBJ as Remember like Stefan Diggs last year? Because I just keep comparing Minnesota because this is basically that offense, right, that Stefanski's bringing. He was the offensive coordinator. So – Odell Beckham is like Stefan Diggs last year. He's like the the diva star wide receiver that's mad because they just keep running the ball and dominating, but he's right. not getting his, right? Yeah. That's Odell Beckham. Now, again, Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, big enough to have a couple of good games. You know, didn't Stefan Diggs have one game where he had like four touchdowns? That's the type of talent Odell Beckham has, but he's only going to have a few of those games. So he's definitely a I, – I guess Odell Beckham, he, we used to think of him as just the, this, this phenom. He came out in his first few years. He's he's a name that people love because of this production. But now he's more he's super talented boomer bust type wide receiver. And that's that's the way I see him. So I don't really want to guess on which I I, I don't really want to play the guessing game. But if I did play the guessing game again, it's going to be in those game scripts that they're going to be down quite a bit. And where I think I can get him in a good cornerback matchup. I don't like him matching up against, uh, you know, uh, Baltimore's corners. uh, So definitely. Not good there. Uh, but yeah, probably some of those other teams like we were saying, uh, Washington, Cincinnati definitely like those cornerback matchups there when, when they're playing those type of teams. Uh so yeah, so I think you can target him, but is he going to be super expensive because of the name in the then the in the high-level production he's had in the past? Does the algorithm factor that in? Probably does. If he's around seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, I don't think he's a good value there. That that's the problem. So again, he's you have to think he's kind of like Stefan Diggs last year, which would you play Stefan Diggs every every week? Probably not, you know, the way he's done that, even though he's talented, right? <laughs> so that's my that's my take on Odo Beckham I don't know are you are you higher on him than I am?
0: I don't think so. I think i'm I'm right on the same page with you, and that's a great comparison to Diggs and just pretty shocking that Beckham's ceiling was one game over thirty and it was just barely over thirty. It was six catches for one sixty one and one. And then one game barely over 20, six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown against Miami. Other than that, every game was in the teens or under 10. Just abysmal ceiling. And for a guy that, you know, he got even higher than 7K, he got up to 7.8K on DraftKings. So just almost never paid off value. So, yeah, if if the price goes down a little bit, which it's hard to predict that it would because of that name value – then I'll consider him, but uh, certainly matchup dependent. And, uh, you know, I'm going to think twice before I I pay that much for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he might have a little higher ceiling this year. He might be able to pop off for a couple big games. Again, the offense would be better. They should have more time to throw the ball. And just defenses are really going to have to focus on stopping the run game. So Odell Beckham can sneak out of there. And if he's actually healthy, uh, you know, was he really hobbled all last year? That's the question. And is he going to be that much better being healthy this year. So he can pop off for some big games. So I wouldn't be shocked there. He's super talented, uh, but it's just hard to trust him overall.
0: Yeah. It sounds like here in late may that he is recovering nicely from his core surgery. And then we turn to Jarvis Landry. He's also trying to recover from surgery. And this guy's been consistent. Uh, He's been selected to five straight pro bowls. Uh, So the big caveat certainly here is his health. Um, but, uh, you know, similar situation with Beckham last year. He only had three fantasy games over 20. Uh, so how do you think it's going to shake out for Landry this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, Landry actually coming down the stretch was actually playing really good last year. I mean, he had more targets than Odell Beckham, way, a lot more catches. He had 83 catches, 1,174 yards. His average was a little more in Odell Beckham. They were both around 14, and he had more touchdowns than Odell Beckham, six touchdowns, right? So he played great. It's just now that he's coming off a hip surgery, that's very concerning for, like, a speedy slot receiver who really re- relied on his run after the catch and his route running ability, and you're coming off a hip surgery. I don't trust that at all, and the guy's not getting any uh, younger either. So so I, I liked him, but with the injury issues being that it's a new offense, Uh, you know, and they're going to want to run the ball more. I'm not going to like him, especially at the beginning of the year. It's going to be a wait and see approach. Now, if he can if he can get back to his old self after the surgery and acclimate in the offense, he could have a role similar to like Adam Thielen in this offense. Uh, again, I got to, I got to bring up the Minnesota guys because that's whatever that's what they're going to be doing, and they're similar players actually: Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, uh, Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry. So I like that comparison to be able to, to have those guys, but I'm not going to trust Jarvis Landry, and I'm, he's not going to be on any of my radar for any fantasy. Season. Uh, especially during like the first like six games. I, I just can't, I can't trust him. I don't, I don't, he's, if he has a training camp, it's going to be a shortened training camp. He's recovering from that hip surgery still. So it doesn't, the it doesn't outlook doesn't look good. Um, so again, tells me the uh, less weapons. Uh, there's going to be good production for uh, maybe the tight ends more in the short passing game that we're going to talk about. I know there's someone you're, you're excited to talk about there. So, uh, so that's my take on Jarvis Landry there. Yeah, and, and
0: you know the frustrating thing for those two guys is that they were healthy last year. Beckham played 95% of the snaps. Landry played 94% of the snaps. So for them to combine for only 10 touchdowns, uh, you know, just a major disappointment. So you know we'll see how Mayfield navigates the dynamic of trying to keep both of those guys happy and and try to take advantage of their talent. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what those price tags are and make sure that Landry's healthy. But after those two guys, it's a bit of a mess. Um, who do you think is most likely to be the third most productive wideout for Cleveland?
1: Yeah, I, I like Rashard Higgins if he can have a full season. Uh, he played uh, only six games last year, and they were rotating, you know, random guys in their experiment. And you know, guys in and out of the roster. Uh, but yeah, I like Rashard Higgins. I think Baker Mayfield likes him. You know, he's got good size, you know, he's pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good hands, you know, and he, uh, a guy that is a veteran type presence uh, traditionally could be a red zone presence too, because he's got good size. He only caught one touchdown, but he only played six games. Didn't really, he only had 11 targets last year, but I like Rashard Higgins as that third wide receiver here. Um, if he can, if he can stay healthy the whole year, and improve offense but again there's not going to be enough volume to warranty it so he's more like a showdown slate sleeper type guy you know small slate type type guy you might target
0: yeah the year before when he got more action he did catch 39 passes for 572 yards and four touchdowns but you know a lot more weapons now to to deal with so i agree uh, i won't plan to target him uh, he's back on a one-year contract by the way so uh, good chance he'll be out there a bunch but uh, I, won't, I don't plan to target him. And then after that, it gets even more thin. Um, I'll mention Ratley before you mention before you talk about the the rookie for Michigan. Damian Ratley was actually next in terms of productivity for Cleveland last year in the wideouts. He only had 12 catches for 200 yards. Um, he did, you know, finish strong in that last game. He caught two two balls for 64 yards and a touchdown. So, um, he paid off value in that. Difficult week 17 to try to break down in DFS. Um, But really, you know, thin. we've got Darrell Hodge on the roster right now. He only caught four passes last year. Um, So
1: what do you think about the rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan? Well, as you can see, the injury history with their star wide receivers and not much depth. So, this guy is, uh, even though he's drafted in the sixth round, he's super talented. Uh, you know, Donovan People Jones, if you watched his combine, I mean, he's got great size. He's like a 4'4", 40 guy, like 40 inch vertical. I mean, he's a complete athletic freak. I think the knock on him was really not that great route runner and not great hands. Like, he would drop passes. But if you look at that Michigan offense, they really didn't pass the ball that much. They didn't have a good quarterback. They didn't really have a good passing uh passing production in that offense uh with hardball there in michigan so it could have just been uh the fact that this guy was one of the top recruits you know coming out of uh, high school he was one of the top receivers in the entire nation uh super talented and maybe just that you know when he gets a little uh, better at his fundamentals and, and better coaching nfl and a better passing system with better quarterbacks and everything that he could actually develop into a good wide receiver. Um, so I think that he, he is, you know, he may not start right away, but I think he's going to get into the mix once he acclimates in the offense and proves himself and he's got so much athletic upside and talent that I think you have to give this guy a chance. And he'll also play a lot of special teams. he will be really good as like a gunner on the outside, really fast, big physical guy. And then he's really good at like punt returns. You know, he, he did do some punt returning at Michigan. So I like him at special teams contribution right away. And then, rotating in and starting to get some snap shares and getting comfortable in the offense and getting better throughout the year. Uh, so it's a guy that you have to keep an eye on because if he can improve on his pass catching and route running ability, his athletic talent is, is freakish and could be really good. So it's a guy that you have to keep on your radar for sure. Yeah. It's unfortunate that the production didn't really
0: match the athletic profile. He got a yards and 14 touchdowns at Michigan, but that's in the last two years. So just a a low volume, uh, you know, not not huge numbers.
1: Yeah. If you look at, you know, 2018, he had 47 catches over 600 yards and eight touchdowns for that passing offense. They don't really pass that much. Really bad quarterbacks. You know, that was that's pretty good in the in the college game. You know, so that's that's kind of my take on him. But yeah. And if you just look at the raw stats, it doesn't look good. But I think it's a guy that could could take a big jump in the NFL once he develops. He's going to take a little while. He's kind of raw athlete. It'll take a little while to develop him.
0: All right. Let's transition to the tight end group. A lot of turnover here. Last year, Ricky Seals-Jones and Demetrius Harris were there. They're both gone. Jones had 14 catches for uh, over 200 yards and four touchdowns. He's now with Kansas City. Harris had 15 catches for 149 and three touchdowns. He's now with the Bears, like every other tight end under the sun. Um, So that's almost 30 catches Almost 400 yards and seven touchdowns. Then you've got Njoku coming back. He only played four games. Uh, but before we get to him, big splash in the offseason. Austin Hooper uh, coming over from Atlanta. He's been selected to two straight Pro Bowls. And uh, this guy put up huge numbers with Matt Ryan. They signed him to a four year deal for $44 million. Last year, he finished with 75 catches seven hundred eighty seven yards in only 13 games got in the end zone six times uh, caught 77 percent of the passes thrown his way and eight of the 13 games he played he caught at least six receptions and uh, you're starting to get a sense of why I really liked him last year especially on DraftKings and you know it, it is a new offense though new quarterback David Njoku is there. Um, so I guess we can't just expect that he'll have the similar production to last year, even though he's shown he's got the talent, the ability to do it. What's your outlook for Hooper this year? If you
1: see me shaking my head, you know my outlook is here. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me. I'm shaking my head. No. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a guy that overachieved. He is very talented. But I think he was a byproduct of that Atlanta system, was really good for tight ends. Okay, and you got to keep in mind he's playing with Julio Jones, who I think is the one of the best wide receivers in the game that demands double teams from safeties and uh, all the time demanded so much help. So I think that that freed up the the fact of Julio Jones taking all that attention because he's so dominant, really freed up a lot of space underneath uh, for for uh, Austin Hooper. And I think Matt Ryan is a really good quarterback at at going through those reads and getting that where Baker Mayfield's not as good at, at. going through his reads and connecting with the tight ends here. Uh, so I don't like Baker Mayfield as much. I don't like the offensive system as much for tight ends. And he doesn't have Julio Jones there, you know, and you could say, well, he's got Odell Beckham, but it's not the same. Odell Beckham at this point in his career is not demanding double teams. Right. Uh, for the most part. So I, I really like, uh, I think, and I think Njoku's pretty good as well. He's coming back. They, they, they took his, uh, uh, Fifth year option there. He's coming back or his fourth year. If he can be healthy, he's really physical. You know, he'll probably do more pass blocking, but he can get out there and get some passes as well. So I think it's it's good for the play action pass and like the tight end screens and the different plays that they'll have will be creative because they do have a void at wide receiver because I, like I said Jarvis Landry might be injured. Uh, they're not very deep at, at receiving targets. So he will get some production there. But again, there's not going to be a lot of passing volume. Um, I think he'll be. Good, but not. I wouldn't expect the same type of statistics that he was putting up in in Atlanta's offense. So I think that he's a. uh, For me, he's kind of a uh, a sell a a sell high guy or or a guy that I'm not that high on because I think he's people are way too high on him. So it's a it's a guy that I'm looking to fade for the most part. Now I could be wrong there, but everything that I explained is the. uh, I think that he's a fade for me at tight end. Overhyped. Well,
0: unfortunately, (laughs) I think I I may have to agree with you in terms of. The targets will, will be down. So yeah. his production won't be as as uh, explosive or as efficient. Um, you know, Njoku is going to be a real thorn in his side. Uh, when he was healthy in 2018, he played every game. He caught 56 for 639 and four scores. So, you know, he already yeah. has that history with Mayfield. Um, yeah. So we'll just have to see the, you know, the snap counts, you know, week one, week two, targets and uh, see how that's going to break down.
1: Yeah, and I will say real quick that the fact that if Jarvis Landry is not playing or limited on snaps, that really could help Hooper. Hooper could basically play, you know, my favorite position is you already know it because I say it all the time. Big slot, basically. Right. <laughs> so the tight end line up in the slot position is awesome for fantasy production because you're basically getting a mismatch wide receiver in there. Right. Uh, so I will say that if things are looking a little iffy with Jarvis Landry, that I will upgrade Hooper where he can get similar production, because really, that's what happened with Atlanta, too. They, they over the years, last few years, they had a lot of injuries and that type of thing. Uh, you know, and they, and they didn't have that many uh, pass catching guys. Uh, Cause I remember like when Muhammad Sanu got traded and Mohammed Sanu was injured. Remember that all of a sudden Austin Hooper started catching more passes. Cause he was that, you know, Sanu was that quick slot guy. So Hooper actually took that role. So, so I'll argue with myself in saying if Jarvis Landry is not getting much production or snap counts that you can upgrade Hooper, that he could get closer to production, but overall I'm not as high on him, but it depends on the situation, right. With the team, you
0: know, yeah, excellent uh, reference there to Sanu. And you're you're allowed to argue against yourself. You're allowed to have yeah. exceptions to the rule. It yeah, certainly exactly. depends on uh, who's in the lineup and and of course the matchup each each week. Now, let's talk about the uh, Browns' fourth round pick because if you guys if you like tight ends that line up in the slot, you've got to like Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic.
1: Yeah, this guy. Uh... Six five two forty, 240 and he had a great combine you know he's a small school guy but he you know he ran a four seven forty which is good for a guy that size and he showed great ability great route running ability and great hands uh you know it was it last year he did a lot of that slot tight end roll he lined up in the slot a lot he has 65 catches over a thousand yards uh receiving and seven touchdowns and he averaged over 15 yards per reception so he is he is a guy that I can see developing in that in that slot tight end role and developing there um, and a guy that should be able to make the team on special teams and, and backing up. Um, so that if one of these guys gets injured, you know, Hooper and Joku, I think he is the third tight end. And he is a guy that can for a fourth round pick should be able to uh, make the team right away and have some upside as a receiver. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, the thousand yard season for a college tight end, that's not easy to do. Uh, he did drop eight balls last year on 73 catchable, which wasn't great. But, you know, terrific production overall, 6.1 yards after the catch per reception, and he forced 12 missed tackles, which was number two in the tight end class this year. So, uh, you know, a lot of great support for uh, for his future. Now, uh, Shane, before we transition into the draft one more time to wrap up, Uh, please let everyone know where they can follow you on
1: twitter on twitter and actually instagram i'm at uh d e t sports shane d e t sports shane oh excellent i'm gonna have to check out the instagram yeah Uh, i don't really have a whole lot on there yeah i don't have a whole (laughs) lot on there but i do have an instagram (laughs) that's the same as my twitter
0: (laughs) excellent uh you can find me on twitter at language olympic and then uh please follow the crew you can find us at DFS Coach Talk on Twitter. Uh, all right, Shane, one more uh, breakdown of the draft or anything we haven't hit on. Um, you know, we have highlighted these guys as we've been going, but yeah. anything we need to clean up before we finish up?
1: Yeah, I can go pretty quickly here. Obviously, already talked about Judrick Wills. I think he's a day one starter. I think he was the best offensive lineman in this draft, so great pick there. I really like, and I think Browns fans really like this pick, is in the second round pick number 44 they took safety Grant Delpit out of LSU so the LSU champions as everyone knows i think their entire defense got drafted they were that good right or, or on nfl rosters at least so this guy 6 uh, 201 big safety super athletic and physical he can pretty much do anything he's a he's a dynamic playmaker uh, last year, he played through an injury. He had a high ankle sprain. He toughed it out and played through there, so he didn't have quite as good a year. But in 2018, he was projecting to be like a top 20 pick, like a first-round pick. So I like this guy's upside. I like him the ability to cover, to, to uh, be a strong safety, and be able to actually uh, you know stop the run better. Uh, so I really like his production there as safety, and he's going to be able to get in some sub-packages or potentially start right away. Uh, so I think he's a great pick. That was a first round talent that they got in the second round. Um, and then we pretty much talked about most of the other guys. They got a couple, they got a linebacker out of LSU, Jordan Jacob Phillips, and he'll help their linebacker depth because they're kind of that's a position of weakness for him. So that was a good pick. They got Jordan Elliott, defensive tackle from Missouri, developmental guy there as well, and a center from uh, Washington, a backup center, Nick Harris. So he can be a good backup there. Uh, and then I talked about Donovan people Jones in the sixth round that I do like if he can develop his uh, techniques and his fundamentals because he is a really good talent there. Uh, but, yeah, overall, when you can sol- you can you can really make a, a good pick with the offense alignment and have a day one franchise start uh, tackle at pick number 10 and a safety who I think is going to be a star safety in the league once he gets acclimated. Um, who's the kind of under the radar type guy. And then some other guys that will end up contributing right away and potentially be starters, even in these late round picks. I think it was a good draft and that's why, and you combine that with the free agents that they signed and the moves that they made. I really liked Andrew Berry, the, the GM that I was telling, that I was talking about earlier, The uh, fact that they got rid of them and the new coaching staff. So, uh, so I think that overall for, uh, for the running game and for real world football, the Cleveland Browns are going to be a better team this year. Um, and it's kind of tough in fantasy because if they're giving up a lot of running yards and they're trying to run the ball as well, it's going to be those kind of low scoring, you know, what do we call knockdown, Knock down, drag it out, you know, run the clock out type games. Those aren't necessarily good for fantasy, right? It's like a lot of, you know, time possession back and forth. So kind of ugly football games. So, 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 so some of these games might not be as good, but when teams were they're playing a uh, games where they're playing a really bad team, you could probably, fire up that running game because they're just going to keep they're just going to keep pounding the ball where those guys can have huge ceiling games so if they can get up by like 20 then nick chubb can just end up having a like monster games and, and kareem Hunt can still get in there as well to spell them and have monster games so uh so big things for the uh, cleveland browns this year compared i think that they i think they might be flying on the radar a little more this year where they were super way overhyped uh last year so it's a it's a little different dynamic but i think that things are looking up for them yeah well said
0: And and I agree. Um, And we're going to continue our coverage of the AFC North and knockdown dragout division Mm -hmm. as we cover the Pittsburgh Steelers tomorrow. Uh, In the meantime, as we close up, just want to mention our fearless leader, Joe Sarvati, who's known as Coach. His favorite charity is MambaOn3.org. So uh, feel free to give that a look. And we we thank you again for joining us here. Uh, We're going to continue to provide these – free podcast seven days a week in front of the paywall so we would appreciate it if you give us give us a thumbs up five stars wherever you may be listening if you're not watching already we have these on youtube uh so so head over there and click the subscribe button so you get a notification when our daily podcast posts and that is going to do it for us today Uh, thank you very much shane for your excellent work today on behalf of shane caldwell i am andrew hansen Thank you for tuning in and be sure to tune in again tomorrow as we break down the Steelers right here on DFS Coach Talk.